Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode 52. <clears throat> um, really, we only have three segments lined up, but all three, they're going to get longer as each goes. We're going to start off with Fury, Dillian White. Then we're going to get into, uh, I, you know, I really didn't know what to throw in here because I was mainly going to just make this an NFL draft special. Um, like we're going to go with my final mock draft, three rounds with trades. Could be one more out tomorrow before the draft if anything happens. Um, we'll go over four teams that need to nail this draft, I think. Draft rumors. And then obviously my mock draft, which will be a three-rounder. And we'll dive into... We'll mainly go through the first two, and then I'll highlight some players for round three. Um, but Fee, my dude, sent me a huge NBA segment going over big questions really in each series. Uh, let's see, we got about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and some are kind of double up questions. Like, uh, you know, it's kind of asking one thing and then it leads into another question. So, really, there's probably about 19, 20 in here, which was huge to throw something else in here. And it's an awesome segment. I appreciate uh, my dude Fee a lot for that. But let's get into it. Fury, Dillian White. I'm watching right now, I'm watching the Bulls, Bucks, Bucks. Closing this out, they're up 17 with four and a half to go. But let's get into Fury White. So, obviously, Tyson Fury scores the six-round knockout. Clean uppercut. Um, it was nasty. Uh, great performance. Really just beautiful. Never in really trouble. Um, it was just almost too easy. You know, most people think of Dillian White as probably the the fourth or fifth Best heavyweight, you know, Fury 1, Usyk 2, Joshua. This isn't for me. This this is just for the quote-unquote experts. Uh, Joshua 3 and then White or Wilder 4-5 with Ruiz in there as well. Um, I would almost bet on Deontay Wilder against anybody but Tyson Fury. Um, but that's personal opinion. So White definitely probably top 5. Most people have him in the top 5 heavyweights right now. And, you know, I have some notes from the bout. You know, White landed some good body shots early. He went, he came out southpaw, which he's never really fought southpaw ever. So it was quite shocking to see him do that. Fury, I wouldn't say Fury was like caught off guard by it, but he was, he was like, oh, okay, it's just something different. Um, I think the, the reason for southpaw, I think he wanted to see, you know, he's, he's probably done it and I'm sure he's done it all camp, but it's different when you get in there. How do you feel southpaw in there? And I'm sure he only, he only did it the one round, and Fury made such a quick adjustment on it that I think White was like, I got to go back to orthodox. You know, I don't think he was comfortable necessarily as a southpaw. Landed some good body shots early. And if you were to give I had it I had it 5-0 Fury up until the knockout. Um, so And he was winning the sixth round as well. So if you were to give White a round, I guess it would be that first round. It was really a toss-up round. Like, it's kind of one of those... It's one of those typical, you know, first rounders for a boxing match when got you know when you're fighting when you're boxing at the highest level. Um, kind of a, not necessarily throwaway round for either guy, but it's trying to establish something. And I thought White established himself earlier than Fury. I think he did catch Fury off guard with the southpaw look, but Fury was able to adjust to it so quickly um, that it was you know, you know, it was just. It was just too easy for Tyson in there. You know, Fury repeatedly landed the jab and the check left hook. I, I I was surprised, you know, 
Dillian didn't he didn't he didn't was it was not able to defend that le- check left hook at all. Fury landed that punch at will, and that jab was he landed double jabs and triple jabs in that fight. It really just started. It really started to open up Dillian. And I think you know, next point, White got really frustrated with his inability to do much, and I think that's why he tried to make it more dirty. People say that Fury started the antics. I don't think so. I think they got in there, and then Fury, he kind of threw a shot behind the head. White did to kind of start it off, and then he, he complained about the cut over the eye when it was his doing. He had Fury. He pushed Fury up against the ropes, and he lunged in and cut himself. At least from what I saw. Um, and it, that doesn't work though because Fury is the ultimate bend the rules guy too. Um, so that's not going to work trying to fight dirty against Tyson Fury. I mean, look at the scraps he was in with uh, Otto Valin, Deontay Wilder, especially the third fight. You know, the second fight was domination. The first fight was more him trying to be a boxer. This Kronk style version of Fury, I think, is just unbeatable because. You can still see if he wants to sit on the jab and the check left hook, he's just going to outbox you. And then if he wants to get down and dirty and throw some hard shots, he can put you away now too. You know, he really can. He was, what, he was two, I think he was 280. Let's see. Uh, Fury, Wilder, three, weight. So, Fury was 277. 277. Um, he was 273. He was 264 for this one. So he's a little lighter. I mean, him hovering, him, him going between 265, 275, he's nearly unstoppable. He's nearly unstoppable at this point. I know he's talked about retirement, that he even, he's doubled down kind of, that he's done. I disagree. Uh, I saw some, we'll go, we'll get into it here in a minute, but. Uh, Fury, he was able to land that blow because because of the jab and the check left hook. Because that's all that that's all that White was worried about. The jab was getting through the left hook, so the uppercut was there, and White never saw that uppercut coming. People can say the push, his head didn't even snap back on the push. He actually landed on his shoulder. You can tell up close though in the punch, it, he was done, absolutely done. So what's next for Tyson Fury? You know, we'll start with the Francis Ngannou fight. Let me grab a drink real quick. Okay, so we'll start with Ngannou. I I agree. Me, Luke, I was watching Morning Combat, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell. And they were talking about it. Obviously, I think Usyk or Joshua Fury, if Joshua could beat Usyk, that would generate over 2 million buys. 100% over 2 million buys. Not even a question. I think it does anywhere. I think it does. I'll say it does anywhere from 2.3 to 2.7. I also think Kanganu Fury does damn close to the same. I'm thinking anywhere from 2 to 2.5. Uh, Luke Thomas said he thinks it'd get to 3. Here's the thing. It probably could because of the way they could promote it. Um... So, you know, if you promote it right, yeah, I actually do think so. But, I mean, imagine the promotion they're going to do for Joshua Fury if it happens. So, this would, like I said, this is the thing I have down. This would obviously be a big, a mega money fight, right? But Nganu isn't free, isn't a free agent until 2023. So, the UFC and Nganu had a contract dispute 
and it all ha- went away. It all, UFC kind of messed up their end of the bargain for their leverage. This is why it was so massive for Francis to win against Gon, because he controlled the narrative. Even though there usually is a champion's clause that extends your contract, I think, two or three fights. Something happened in the contract where the UFC messed up, and that is not the case for Francis Ngannou. If Francis had lost to Gon, the only reason... Yeah, it's extended technically a year for him. But... So it kind of is the champion's clause thing, because they offer you three fights a year, but... Usually the champion won't get away without not fighting after they defended the title like he did against Gon. If he would have lost to Gon, he would have been a free agent that night. Now that he is beaten Gon, he is a free agent, I believe, as of January 1st, 2023. So this fight cannot happen this calendar year unless the UFC allows it. And Francis has come out and stated multiple, multiple times now. We're in, we've been in contract negotiations with the UFC, but we're not. I'm not signing any type of contract until they say I can go fight Tyson Fury within this contract in 2023. If this fight happened, I would say Ngannou's knee injury is going to take decent time. I would say this fight happens at best in March of 2023, may, probably April though. So we have a year. I just now we'll get to the the next option is Usyk Joshua two winner. Um. So Usyk Joshua two is now as of right now scheduled to take place July twenty third, uh, in either a huge huge show in Dubai or in the UK. So Fury could fight the winner in November or December for the undisputed heavyweight title. I think if if they fought in July, Usyk wins or Joshua wins, they're moved on. There's no contract contract obligation to where if Usyk loses, he gets an automatic trilogy. It's the same thing as the Ruiz one. If Joshua wins, Joshua has moved on. He doesn't. He can. He could fight Usyk a third time. He doesn't have to immediately. And why would you? Because if you win, let's say July, you got August, September, October, November is in four, January, December in five months. I could see a December, an early December pay-per-view of Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, for the if Joshua wins, or Usyk for the Undisputed Heavyweight title. Here's why I see Fury doing this before the Ngannou fight. First off, imagine if he beats one of them, becomes the Undisputed Champion, how, big, how much bigger he even gets, how much bigger he gets. Value-wise. I don't see Fury letting someone else have a chance to call themselves the undisputed champion without him competing for it. So what do I mean by that? Let's say he drops the title. And let's say Wilder fights White. And Wilder wins. And then Wilder fights Usyk Joshua for the undisputed title. That won't sit right with Tyson Fury. That he let... Somebody else do that. I know he did it in 2015, but there also wasn't... Now this is technically the undisputed because there's another belt involved and stuff, which makes no sense. He's already done this. He's already won every single belt in his career. I said, I think this is most likely nice. His wife and coach said after this fight, just talking to him, they think that he's going to come back. 
to do this, and this is it. What will happen is I think he'll sign a contract, and only one contract, that says I don't care if I win. Win or lose, I'm retiring after this fight. Win or lose, I am retiring after this fight. I think that's what the contract will state. I'm done. Because what's bigger? I know they want to do Joshua and Wild and Fury. But if Joshua can't be good enough and hold up his end of the bargain and win, then that's that. That is that. We'll never get to see the... Uh, the huge 100,000-seater of Joshua and uh, Fury. Even though it's an undisputed title fight, I think Nganu Fury does more buys than Usyk. Just because he's not a big name. You know? But I do think he will fight the winner next in November or December. And then... March, April, May, somewhere around there, he'll fight in Ganu. For the crap, for the, you know, the colliding of the heavyweight beast. The heavyweight king in one sport and the heavyweight king in the other. You know, they talked a hybrid fight. The only way this, this isn't, it's not going to be like they're adding rules. Like, it's not going to be like, it's going to be a boxing match, and Ngannou can kick four times around. It won't be. It won't be anything crazy like that. It'll be a boxing match. And I bet, for Ngannou's sake, I could see them doing maybe still 12 rounds. but Because Ngannou has fought 25 minutes. 12 rounds times 3 minutes. If it went that long, it'd be 36. I could see them maybe doing 12 twos for the exhibition with 4-ounce gloves, so MMA gloves in a boxing match. I think that'll happen. That's what will happen. But I do think Usyk Joshua twos first because I just don't think Fury is going to let somebody else claim all heavyweight titles. When we already know he's the heavyweight of this era. He beat, he beat, the, he beat the man... And uh, Vladimir Klitschko, you know, he beat Deontay Wilder th- three times, in my in my opinion. I know one was a draw, but let's just be honest about it, three times. You know, f- was able to finish him in the second and third fight. Beat Dillian White by knockout. You know, yeah, he's had some he's had some other struggles in there. Otto Valin was a struggle, of course, he got cut bad. But, you know, Fury's type of guy, I think that... He knows who he's facing. He can get away with some stuff, and he got away. He can get away with uh, get away with you know maybe holding back in the training as much against Otto Violin. He was still able to win. He turned it on late. I have to rewatch that fight, but I remember I think I had Violin up through six or seven, and then I think I ended up having Fury seven five or eight four. He turned it up late. Um, but yeah, I mean, people said it was crazy. You know, people doubted this man so long. They said it was crazy that after two tune-up fights, he fought Deontay Wilder. And if you watch the rounds, 9-3-10-2, in my opinion. Uh, and then he's able to shut him out and then knock him out in round seven. 
technically a corner stoppage that was right for a while that was done, and then he knocks him out in round, what, 11, 10 or 11 in the third fight. Nobody wanted to fight Deontay Wilder. You haven't seen Newsick try to do it. Dillian White didn't do it. Andy Ruiz didn't do it. Joshua didn't do it. And, you know, Wilder, I think, was on... It was on Wilder for one of those times, but let's be honest. They offered Deontay Wilder, after the draw of Tyson Fury, they offered him $10 million. Come on. But, yeah, I mean, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight of this era, and he's one of the best heavyweights of all time, and I think he I think he absolutely smashes Joshua Usyk in this finale. And then him and Ngannou. Of course, I think Fury's going to win, but four-ounce gloves makes things a hell of a lot more interesting, and I can't wait. So let's get into Fee's NBA segment. All these were sent in by Fee, so shout out to him again for giving us this segment. This is awesome. We're gonna go through, and I'll you know I'll go and I'll go in a little more detail than normal about each of these questions. Uh, this could be a decently long cast. I'd I'd say we get you know we're gonna get you know good amount on the on the on the NFL draft talk. I love the draft. My NFL draft covering something and you know doing podcast on stuff. I would say March Madness is definitely up there. I'd say one is probably, you know, watching something, watching a sporting event. MMA, MMA, combat sports is ultimate number one. Soccer is probably number two for me right now. I'm watching so much soccer. I mean, it's ridiculous how much soccer I watch. I, I'm getting into the games a little too much. Uh, March Madness. And then the, I, like, I like the draft more than watching the playoffs. Maybe that's because my team sucks. I just love the draft. I love the draft, and I can't wait to get into it. But let's get into the NBA. How much trouble are the Suns in if Booker isn't fully healthy versus the Mavs? Well, I think – so here's what I heard – here's what I just heard probably about, I think, a couple hours ago. Dem Booker is uh, now questionable for game six. And I think there's, it's probably leaning towards probable for Game Seven. I think in Game Six, if they do let him play, if he is able to play, I think it's uh, off the bench, kind of in a Curry type thing, you know. I think he gets twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, or maybe he's fully go and he just he plays thirty minutes off the bench, which I think will happen. Um. <laughs> I've I've been my me and my brother you know we obviously we're talking ball all the time talk ball fee all the time. My brother loves the Mavs. He's actually that's actually his finals pick. He had Mavs Sixers, I think. I think he had Mavs Sixers. This is before the Embiid injury, obviously, and you know he'll stand by his pick. He ain't wavering. And you know, man, I had the Suns. I'm not wavering. I think a Booker is back, they'll beat the Mavs in six or five. The Mavs defense is so good, though. I think it's going to be a war of a series. I think you're going to get games in the high 80s, low 90s. Because um, the Suns are also a very good defensive team. If he isn't fully healthy, though, let's say he comes back and he tweaks something, he's out the first three, four games of the next series of Dallas, who looks like they're going to beat Utah, obviously. Uh, man, I think the Mavs will steal that series. Because the Mavs are a lot better than the Pelicans. And the Pelicans have now let the Suns win twice without Booker. I don't think the Mavs would let the Suns win without Booker. 
I think if he misses three games, I literally you could say maybe they'll get a game. I'm thinking it's going to be 3-0, though. Dallas is looking good. Luka looks unreal right now. I think that if he isn't fully healthy, like, you know, if he comes back and he, like, tweaks something and he's out even longer, I think the Mavs are the Mavs are going on to the conference finals. And that's the next one. Are the Mavs legit title contenders? They 100% are. I don't think people realized all year how good they were defensively and stuff. Just because Dallas, and you don't think a good defense with Luka there and stuff because he's not known for his defense, and they really have been good, and they bring in Jason Kidd now, and he turns them into the best. I think they they were 1-2. They might have been 2. They're 1 or 2 with Boston this year, best defensive teams in the NBA. And what does defense do in, in, in sports? Defense travels. Defense travels. College. College basketball. NBA, you can even argue in, in football, NFL called football, defense travels. Um, they're going to be a tough out for anyone. I would not be shocked if they got to the NBA Finals at this point. I really wouldn't. Luka's back. They have shoot. They're just, the one thing about them, which is crazy how they're such a good defensive team, is, you know, Dwight Powell and Kleber being really your centers. You know, it could get a little tougher against... Obviously, it'll get a little tougher against Phoenix because Aiton, and you're going against Gobert, who's not known for offense. But, man, if they play Golden State, Kavon Looney and Draymond Green, I think they have a better chance of beating the Warriors than they do the Suns because of the matchups they can pose against Golden State. I really do. I, I like Dallas' chances. They are 100% legit title contenders. If I had to rank my top five legit title contenders right now, I would go, one, I'm planning on Booker being healthy, so I'm going to them one. I'm going Boston two, Milwaukee three, Golden State four. God, and I'm actually going to go Dallas four, Golden State five. I think Dallas matches up so well with Golden State in a potential conference finals meetup. As crazy as it sounds, I do. I like the Mavs, man. I really do like the Mavs. So let's get into the next one. Do the Jazz have to blow it up? If they lose, I would guess so. I would guess so. Um, and I'm gonna get into the, I'm gonna get on the trade machine here in a minute. And I'll I'll look at what a blow up could look like. That's the next question. What would a blow up look like? I think it it involves everybody. It involves a full reset of the franchise. I think Quinn Snyder's gone for sure. I think he's gone no matter if they blow it up or not. I think you trade Donovan. I think you trade Rudy. I think you trade anything you can to collect a ton of assets. And you kind of go the OKC route because to me it's always like. If I'm not title contending, I would rather be an OKC-type team where I have a ton of picks and could hit on picks, and they have started to hit on picks. Giddy is a huge hit. Pokazevsky's been good. Basley's been good. Dort. Shea. Obviously, they traded for him, but Trey Mann. I like... I think I like them. You know, I like where they're at to potentially get better. So that was the next question. Is Donovan Mitchell a... Is he a guy you can build a championship team around? I've said this for a minute. I don't think so. I think he is a really good number two. To me, I think Paul George is better. I think he's like a Paul George. I don't think you could win a title if Paul George is your number one option. I think... And I don't think you can win a, a title if Donovan Mitchell is your number one option. Um... So let's add the Utah Jazz here. Let's think of a team that's going to go big. You know, look at your contracts. 
Jordan Clarkson, three years, 12. Bogdanovich, two years, 18. Conley, three years, 21. Donovan, five years, 28. Rudy, five years, 35. Let's look at Donovan first. Let's think of some teams. Let's go down the list here. Atlanta, potentially. I think Atlanta would actually be a decent fit. Let's look at Atlanta first, all right? So, we're obviously going to match up the salary. Let's just say for Donovan, you're going to have to throw in two first-round picks. I'm protected. You're going to have, at minimum. So you have Donovan. They want to. They they're trying to blow up though here, right? So they would like a reset and maybe get some younger guys back as well. So let's just say you throw in John Collins. I'm gonna say you're probably gonna have to throw in. You're gonna have to throw in DeAndre Hunter. And I think you're probably throwing your your pick from last year, Jalen Johnson. That trade would work. So it would be something like a John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Jalen Johnson, and probably two first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. I love that trade. I think that's a great trade. For Utah, you get three guys under the age of 26. Hunter's 23. I believe Jalen Johnson's only 19. John Collins only 26, 25. I know Mitchell's young, but let's just, this is for the sake of you're trying to get younger and you're trying to get assets. So the Hawks is a great one. Boston probably don't, don't need to. Charlotte would be a possibility. Chicago, probably not. Cleveland, but let's just think of teams that he would go in and be the number two. Because I still think Trey Young would be the number one if he went to Atlanta. Detroit, obviously not. Indiana, no. Miami, probably not. Milwaukee, no, because the guys they would have to get back are older. You know, New York could be a possibility, but I just don't see him and Julius Randle working. Philly, probably not. Toronto, no. Washington. Dallas, I know it's a Western Conference team, but could you imagine? Donovan Mitchell going to play. It would have to be a deal where they sign and trade Jalen Brunson. Um, it would probably be something of Jalen Brunson, Josh Green. Because let's just say Jalen Brunson gets, I'm thinking he gets 20 mil a year for four, or 22 mil. 21 mil a year for four years. That would be 21 to Donovan's 28. Josh Green would be about 24 million now. And then you throw in a. You definitely be throwing in multiple first, obviously. They really just don't have much else, huh? Probably like a. You know, no, I don't know if they want Dorian. Probably a Sterling Brown. This might be a one where you'd have to give up three first round picks, though, to be honest. I just don't see them being able to give up anything less than that. So I think it'd be Jalen Brunson, Sterling Brown, Josh Green, three first round picks. Dallas a little more unlikely, I think. Denver. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. I don't think any of the L.A. teams would be involved because the Lakers don't have enough draft capital. Even even if the Lakers, what I'm hearing, the Lakers are probably going to get off Russ's contract. We'll talk about that another time. Memphis, again, is another one. I, I think they could trade him east. But if you're Memphis, you know, you just on his rookie deal. You could throw in... You'd have thrown Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams. Okay, that would not work. Oh, shoot, shoot. Sorry. Okay, that would not work for cap purposes. D'Anthony Melton. Instead of, let's say, I think they'd want Zaire. This could actually work. Dylan Brooks, D'Anthony Milton, Zaire, Brandon Clark, and maybe one first-round pick probably because you're giving four. 
And let's just see what you could do. You know, you could maybe get off. Maybe you could get another guy here. Back. So you can get Alexander Walker. There you go. So you get you go Brooks, Melton, Zaire, Brandon Clark, and a first for Donovan Mitchell and Nikhil Alexander Walker. I think that's a great trade for Memphis. I think Atlanta's the one I like the most. Um, I don't really see any. You know, Portland might be a spot here because they have so much, so many draft picks. Bledsoe's only gonna have one year left, so it can be you're gonna have to get up two first. Probably one of them this year. <clears throat> Josh Hart, and you're probably going to have to give up Keon, one of your younger guys. Okay, so that might be a little too much. Okay, so you're probably going to give up three first-round picks. <clears throat> Trade failed. Why? What about even in money? Why would that trade fail? They'd probably have to do Anthony Simons, that's why. Yeah, they'd have to do a signing trade with Anthony, Anthony Simons for Donovan. I think Atlanta is the one I like the most, though. For Utah getting back players... Gobert is going to be ridiculously hard to trade. There's one team I heard that would be Charlotte that could go after him here. But here's the thing. So if you just want to trade Rudy, you could say, well, let's just try to go win now, but without Rudy. And you could do that. You know, you get Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley. And probably a first. Again, I just don't think Gobert's value is going to be very high because of the inability to score. So I think the bet, you know, you're going to get a first round pick. I think you get Charlotte's first round pick this year at 14. Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley for Rudy Gobert and Alexander Walker, you know. Um, let's uh, all congratulate real quick the Denver Nuggets. I mean the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. They're on to the Eastern Conference semifinals. We'll face off against the Boston Celtics. But yeah, you know I see Donovan. I see it's a it's a lot of turnover. You know, should the Nuggets consider a blow up themselves as this game is about to start? Denver starting Monty, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Joker. Steph is back in the starting lineup. Did they? Damn it, I missed it. Did they start Pool as well? All right, see what they started. Converse, that's Draymond, Clay. Dray- wow, so they went small. They went with the, the their death lineup. Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond. I like it. I like that lineup for Golden State. It's a great lineup. Um... But yeah, I, I'm going to say no on the Nuggets. I think they should give it a year. Hopefully you can get Jamal and MPJ back healthy next year, which definitely Jamal will be. MPJ's the the one you worry about the most, probably. Draymond Green just won the tip over Nicole Jokic. That's rough. Okay. Steph, immediate drive to the basket. Misses a layup. Okay, sorry. But no, I think the Nuggets should roll it back next year. Um, are Golden are the Warriors officially back? Yeah, as title contenders, one hundred percent, they're officially back. And uh, you know, as much as I hate to say, Jordan Poole has been unreal for them, and he's he's really, I think, kind of going to extend their run. He's going to extend their run. And how good they are. 
Um, are they title favorites? I don't think they're title favorites now. I still think Phoenix, Boston, and Milwaukee over them. But that isn't me saying that they could not win the NBA title because they most definitely could. Do the Grizzlies have any shot of beating the Warriors? The small. The one thing that they're going to be able to do against Golden State, obviously, if they can beat Minnesota, is they're going to really be able to dominate the glass. Memphis, one of the best rebounding teams in basketball, if not the best, and probably the best offensive rebounding team. They'll be able to dominate the glass for Golden State, and that'll be a problem. <clears throat> um, but I still think Golden State will win that series in five or six. Uh, did Cat and D'Lo prove they're legit big three you can build around? 100% they are. Because here's the thing about it. They're a seven seed this year, yes, but Ant's only going to get better. I think he is their best player, and we'll get into my rankings here in a minute. Um, What a shot by Doug Clay, sorry. Again, yeah, I think you can. Ant is unreal. Ant's unbelievable. He's unbelievably good. So, yeah. You could definitely build around those three. Who is the best team in the East? I think you have to say Boston right now. Billy Payne's been a say because I love Milwaukee. I don't love Milwaukee, but I love Giannis. Uh, you know, so... I like... I'd hate saying that, but I'm going to go Boston right now. It's hard and officially washed. He's not washed. He's just gotten older. And he's not as, uh... He's not as good as he once was, I don't think. Um... I think the uh, – I'm don't. i not saying he doesn't care about basketball, but his lack of effort at times and just the way – I don't know if he takes care of himself the best. I think that's hurt him. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's washed, but he's definitely not as good as he once was. And he's, he's – I don't even know if he can call him elite anymore. Uh, what percentage of chance do you give Embiid and Harden, also KD and Kyrie, at winning the title? Okay. This might have been the question I like the most because I think it's going to shock some people. I actually give KD and Kyrie a better chance than Embiid and Harden. I give Embiid and Harden. I'm going to still say they have a really good chance. Not a really good chance, but I'm going to say it's so hard to win a title. You know, it is. Um, I'm going to say, you know, a 25% chance, a 20% chance. I just don't know if, like I said, I don't trust centers at all, really, to win me a title. I just don't. I just don't really trust centers to win me a title, and that's probably why I have, you know... Um, that's why I have trouble giving them a high percentage. I'm going to go 30%. 25, 30% to, uh, to uh, Katie and Kyrie, and here's why. People always people are wondering, what is the reasoning here? Because I think Ben Simmons, I'm not giving up on Ben Simmons. People have. I won't. I think he's still going to be the best defense player in basketball. I think he's still going to be an unreal playmaker when he comes back. I don't think any of that's going to change. So I still think... He's going to be unreal for them. Um, that's why I think they have a better chance. I trust. I, I can't. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say I'm gonna end up. I would end up trusting Ben Simmons as my third option, third option, not second option or first option. 
over Tobias Harris or Tyrese Maxey. I just am. Especially with the fit. They don't need Simmons. You know, Maxey and Harris, they, do they need them to score? No, but that's what they do. Simmons fits is going to fit perfectly with Katie and Kyrie, in my opinion, because they don't need him to score. They need him to play defense, play make, finish at the rim. Well, that's what Ben Simmons does. So, yeah, I'm going to say I'll give Katie and Kyrie a better chance. You can call it crazy. But how – next one, how disappointing is the next, situa- is the next situation? Right now, I'd say it's, it's Lakers, 10. It's a 10. Now, will KD ever prove he can lead a team to a title? That's a tougher one. Because um, here's the thing, you know, you got to say this year, I think it's obviously none of them are going to win it. I think LeBron and AD will find a way to win another one together. Giannis is going to take up another one or two. I think Luka and them at some point are going to win one. And by what, if that's four years? I'm going to say no. He will not win a title with Brooklyn. Again, the question before wasn't, will they win a title with what percentage? And I would favor KD and Kyrie over Embiid and uh, Harden. But no, I don't think he's going to win another title. Just like I don't think Embiid and Harden are going to win a title. But I don't think KD's going to win another one, no. Are we seeing some regression from KD? Uh, no. It's a little more, you know, I think it's it's kind of, it can be a little bit recency bias, like people putting Jason Tatum all the way in their top 10 or close to the top 5. I have him right outside the top 10 at 11. And again, I don't do my list fully on recency biased. I mix in a little bit of it because you have to respect it. But I also have to respect that, okay, I can't just drop Damian. You know, I think I've dropped Damian Lillard farther than I want to. Some people don't even have Damian in their top 15 anymore. That's crazy. Um, you know, AD's dropped out of some people's top 10, top 15. Like, what? Yeah, injuries happen. So where, where are you dropping Kawhi, though? I don't hear the Kawhi banter. You know? Where are you dropping Kawhi? I didn't drop him extremely far. So, like, it, it's just... You know, you can go off some recency, but I can't say KD's regressing. you got to see next year. As of right now, I'm going to say no. Because I saw... For, you know, you, he had a couple bad games. Well, everyone has a couple bad games. I can't say regressed. He did have 39 in Game 4. I'm not going to say he regressed, though. You know, that's what it is. Um, should the Nets already consider flipping Simmons? No. First off, they can't. No one's going to give any significant value back. And no, you got to see him play. Now, if it's not working by trade deadline next year, sure. But I, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Honestly, I really don't. I think the Nets are going to be unreal next year. Um, but yeah, I think it worked. Now, you don't flip him. No. Re-rank your top 10 NBA duos. Again, this is a tougher list to make for me, or for some people. They make it a little too hard. I'm not trying to go off of where I have guys ranked in my top 30. I'm trying to go off, okay, what have you done as a duo? My brother had, you know, maybe my brother had to talk about 9-10. I did, I did kind of go way too recency biased with having 
I'll just say I DeRozan and Levine at nine, Edwards and Cat at ten. I thought about Edwards. I thought about Edwards and Cat at nine. I'm not gonna go fully Reese bias. Edwards and Cat still have way more to prove. I know DeRozan and Levine technically haven't done much, but DeRozan's done done it for so long and been so good for so long. I can't just I can't do that yet. So one is still for me LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron's still the best player in the world. I think Anthony Davis is the best. Well, I can't have him my over Jokic and Embiid right now, but I think he's still the best big man in the world. Uh, Katie and Kyrie at two. I'm still going them at two. I know people can say whatever they want, but they're still unreal duo. Yeah, they had a bad series. That happens. Kawhi and Paul George at three. I actually have Book and CP3 at four. Look what they've done since they've been together. All they've done is win games and you know, what they won 50-some games last year. They went franchise record 64 this year. If it wasn't for a Book injury, I think this series is over already. It's done in four. So, yeah, I mean... I actually have Tatum and Brown at five. They've proved a lot this year, so you have to put them up there. Um, Tatum's been unreal. Brown's been a great uh, side piece to him. I, you know, you have to respect what they've done this year. Giannis and Middleton at six for me. And, you know, people are saying, Giannis down too far. Well, it's Middleton. I think but you could argue it's too high. But Giannis is so good, I can't have him falling lower than this. At seven, Embiid and Harden. Again, this is for the regression of the regression of James Harden, and I still have my concerns about Joel Embiid being able to lead a team. At eight, Jokic and Murray. Uh. I debated having Jokic and Murray over Embiid and Harden, but I got to see Murray come back and play, so I have him under. And then, like I said, nine, DeMar DeRozan and Levine, and ten, Edwards and Cap. Let me know if I missed the team. You could, you know, I think you could argue Jimmy and Bam, I guess, at ten. You definitely could. I would respect that. You know, let's go. Let's just go to a... I don't think I missed anyone, though. Raptors, no. Um, we did, so we got four. Oh, we did miss a duo. I wouldn't have them ultra high, but I'd still have them high. So we're dropping Edwards and Cat. Still a ton to prove. I missed the duo. That's my fault. I'll put them at seven. Steph and Clay. And yes, this is mainly off Steph, but Clay has really found a rhythm lately. He's really starting to play that clay. And, hey, you might next year you might be putting Curry and Poole. So I actually dropped guys down. I'm going to put them at put them at, at seven. I almost forgot Steph and Clay. So Edwards and Cat, Jimmy and Bam on the outside looking in. Mavericks definitely not yet. Grizzlies not yet. Pelicans, maybe Ingram and Zion at some point. Hawks, no. Jazz, no. Spurs, no. Knicks, Cavs, no. Hornets, no. Did the Clippers. Blazers, obviously not now. Kings, no. Rockets, no. Thunder, no. Wizards, no. Pistons, no. Pacers, no. So, yeah, I think we just missed Stephen Clay. I'll put him in there. Uh, they're dropped, obviously, because I think Clay has regressed. But I think now he's starting to figure out his role again. And it's a little, it's a lesser of a role. I think, honestly, I think next year Clay's going to be a third option. If he's not already. He's probably a third option now. But, yeah, I'll put Stephen Clay in there out of respect for the, the dynasty they had. So he wanted to give me your two biggest risers and fallers in your new top 30. Okay, well, so let's go through the top 30. LeBron, one. Giannis, two. 
Kevin Durant, 3. Luka Doncic, 4. Steph Curry, 5. Nikola Jokic, 6. Kawhi Leonard, 7. Joel Embiid, 8. Devin Booker, 9. Anthony Davis, 10. Jason Tatum, 11. Kyrie, 12. Dame, 13. Ja, 14. Paul George, 15. Jimmy Butler, 16. Trey Young, 17. DeMar DeRozan, 18. LaMelo Ball, 19. Anthony Edwards, 20. Uh, James Harden, 21. Carl Anthony Towns, 22. Chris Paul, 24. Bradley Beal, or 23. Bradley Beal, 24. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 25. Jalen Brown, 26. Garland, 27. Zach Levine, 28. Jamal Murray, 29. And Bam Adebayo, 30. So I can't remember what my exact list was. And I tried to find it, but I got so many damn notes all over the place. I got to clean house at some point. I do know... LaMelo... Was either 29 or 30. He's up 10 spots. Anthony Edwards was not in my top 30. He's up 20. John Morant was around 24, 23. I have him at 14. Fowler's is definitely Harden at 21. You know, I think he was definitely around the 9, 10 area. Another Fowler. I don't think Dame's too far. I think I had him at 11 or 10. He's down to 13. Chris Paul, I think I had around 17, 16, so he's down to 23. Mitchell's down to 25. He was probably around there, though. Garland's a riser. He was not even near my top 30, and he's in the top. He's 27 now. Where's Brandon Ingram? Shut up. Shut up. He's having a good year. I think these guys are better than him. I just think these guys are better basketball players. You can maybe argue Bam and Jamal, but I'd, I would disagree. I would say take both of them. So, yeah, I would say definitely James Harden's my biggest faller because it's probably about 11 spots. Chris Paul's probably about five or six spots, so that's decent. That's probably the second most. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, if, if you said 31, which I probably wouldn't even have at 31, you could say he's rose up about 15 to 20 spots on my list and LaMelo Ball up uh, 10 or 11 spots. You know, so and John Moran up nine spots. So yeah, that's that's about right. You know, I like my list. You know, people can bitch about Brandon Ingram all they want. They think it's oh, it's because you traded them. I don't care that we traded that the Lakers traded them. You know why? We won the title the year after the year after that off season. We traded him. We then won the NBA championship the following year. I don't care that we traded Brandon Ingram. Have your picks. If the Pelicans win a title by 2026, when those picks run out, and it's back to being a Lakers pick in 2027, and if they've won a title, or hell two, you can say you won or you even the trade if you won one of them. I don't care, though, right now, because you haven't won shit. You're struggling. In my opinion, if you took Devin Booker off the Phoenix Suns, right, if you just took him off the team and you put that Suns roster this year, they would be the seven or eight. I'd bump everyone up in front of them. I'd bump the Grizzlies to the one, the Warriors to the two, the Jazz, the Mavs to the three, the Jazz to the four, the Nuggets to the five, the Wolves to the six. And then it would have been Suns-Pelicans battling it out for It would have been them battling it out. 
for the seven eight. So you're playing a team that you would you would have typically typically played in the play in, and you're down three two. I know the Lakers lost to him last year. The Lakers also did not have Anthony Davis. And we're up 2-1 at one point in that series. Yeah, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs this year. Bad season. Your best season is winning the 8 spot. That's what it is. Your best season's winning the eight spot, right? Winning two playing games to get in the play. You play also played the Clippers who didn't have Kawhi Leonard and Owen oh, didn't have Paul George. And then you beat a team in the Spurs that were sixteen what sixteen games under five hundred. So stop trying to tell me that you've just because Brandon Ingram's playing so good. Oh, the Lakers regret it. No, they don't. They have a banner. They don't regret it. They have a banner up in the rafters. What are the Pel- the Pelicans can hang a playing game banner? Don't tell me that they've won the trade or the trade is equal. It's not. By 2027, if they've won a title, you can tell me, all right, trade's even. The trade went even. If you've won two, you can tell me you won the trade. We're in 2022, so you got about four or five years. You're right now playing a team that would have been in the playing spot with you if they didn't have Booker an entire season. So you're playing a team, a 7-8 seed right now, in my opinion. You are. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone says. And you say, oh, that's unfair to say. No, it's not. If you take the best player off a team like Devin Booker and they played an entire season without him, they would have been in the play-in. And that's who the Pelicans are playing. They're down 3-2. Don't tell me anything about Brandon Ingram being unreal. Beat the Suns. You got to beat the Suns then. This is a team that you're going to have to beat in play-ins. This is the type of team you have to beat in play-ins. You know? So just don't don't give me that. All right, here we go. The part I've been waiting for. It's about 50 minutes on those two segments. I love diving into stuff. You know, Fee... Again, credit to him. Unbelievable segment. Love talking combat sports, obviously. So we got about 15 minutes on Fury, and then about 35 minutes on that NBA segment. Um, that was good. Now we're going to get into the, the special the mock draft. The last one, probably. The last one for a podcast, for sure. You know, tomorrow again, if any trades happen. But this will most likely be my final one. Um... I'll post it to Twitter as well tomorrow. So, four teams that I think need to nail this draft. Starting off with the Chiefs. I just do. You know, I mean, I'm not saying the Chiefs are bad. They're like a bad team. You know, I kind of kept it balanced. I kind of went with uh, two teams that I think are in win now. A team. And then two teams that need to start progressing forward. So the Chiefs won. Um, And you'll see when we get into it. I just heard that they're probably not going to make a trade for a DK or Debo 
or an A.J. Brown because they know how much they're going to have to pay those guys. And if they were going to pay somebody, they would have paid their guy Tyreek Hill. So let's just start with that. The Saints, I think, is another team. Tackle needs help. Edge could use some help potentially. Wide receiver. I think you got to find another wide receiver in there. Giants. Um, we'll get into the trades before, but the Giants got to nail it too, I think. Um, and the Jets. Jets really do. Did not have the Jets trading back. I think they're a team that needs to pick up Form 10. And then just some just some draft rumors before we dive into this. Edge out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker, who's got unreal talent. I think he's definitely the least proven of the three. Is favored to go number one now. Unreal. Corral could go as early as pick six or mid-late round two. Uh, there's a couple teams that really like him. The Steelers like him a lot. The Lions do like him. The Lions, I heard, like Ritter the most. Uh, David Ajabo would be going top 20 if he didn't have his Achilles injury. And Jameson Williams could, I don't think he will, but he could fall into the 20s because of the ACL injury. And executive sync, this is the worst QB class ever. Willis is the only guy that could see as potentially being a franchise guy. The rest is career backups or bridge starters. Yikes. Yeah, I love quarterbacks as much as anybody, but I do think out of, you know, I've been doing now mocks for three, four years. I think this is the worst one I've examined, and I, I'm, I'm new to it, but I think this is the worst one I've examined. I, you know, I think it's going to be tough for any of them to be franchise quarterbacks, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of holes in a lot of people's games. So here are the trades I have. Philly trades twice. They trade up first to pick six. Oh, no, the, no, first is the trade. The Chiefs make a trade up to get to 15. Philly gets picked 29, 62, and 103 of this draft. Then Philly moves up into the top 10 at pick six to Carolina, who gets Phillies at 18. Kansas City's, which is now Phillies at 29, and pick 101 in round three. Houston trades up to pick seven with New York. New York goes to 13, also gets round three, pick 80, and round four pick next year. The Lions move up to 24. The Cowboys get 32 and 34 this draft and also send a fourth rounder to Detroit. So the Cowboys will have two picks, a pick at the end of the first and another pick right at the top, which I think is a good move for the Cowboys. I really do. I think more picks, the better for Dallas. So let's get into it. With the number one overall pick, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Trayvon Walker. And again, this is not what I would do. We've already done that. That's over on Twitter. Um, but yeah, uh, Trayvon Walker, uh, unreal talent, unreal upside. I just... I I would pick Hutchison or uh, Thibodeau. Just hearing Thibodeau is probably going to slide. And they like Walker's upside so much. I would just pick Hutchison. I think Hutchison can be a star, but I think he's definitely going to be a really good player in this league. So Walker goes one out of Georgia. Again, high upside, high risk, high reward. Jacksonville's going to go with it, I think. That's what I'm hearing. At two, the Detroit Lions select Aiden Hutchison. The edge out of Michigan. I mean, it just makes so much sense. Michigan guy, played at Michigan, stays in Michigan, goes to the Detroit Lions, try to help rebuild. He just seems like such a Dan Campbell guy. I love this pick. Absolutely love this pick for the Lions. At three, I have the Houston Texans. Texans selecting Ikem Okawonu. Offensive tackle out of NC State. Just makes so much sense. 
They have, you know, how many picks do they have in round two? They just have the one in round two? They do. They do have the one in round two. Um, obviously, they have some in round three as well. Where I have them dressed in, I have them dressed in interior O-line in round three. So, you know, here's an, here's an outside tackle. I think he's so special, athletically gifted. I think he's going to be an unreal player in the NFL. And the Texans, really, it's just they need everything. At four, the New York Jets, I have them selecting Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati. Man never allowed a, tu- a, a touchdown in college. Didn't allow a catch over 20 yards. You can say what you want. Oh, he played in the American Athletic. Yeah, but he's still in the, you still get burnt. You, good corners will still get burnt, and he never did. He says he doesn't remember allowing a catch in high school, which is obviously him probably just trying to you know, boost his stardom, but he might, uh, he might not have. He's an unreal corner. He's, he's the best corner in this class. I like Stingley, but I think Gardner's the best. At five, I have the New York Giants selecting Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. I think this is a must for them. They got to protect Daniel Jones. They want to give Daniel Jones another chance to be good. They got to protect him. At six, obviously Philly trading up here with Carolina. I have them trading up to get Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, who in my opinion is the best receiver in this class. Um, I'll also be releasing on Twitter my final big board. So stay tuned for that as well. That'll be on Twitter tomorrow before the draft, my final draft big board. Um, 1 through 32, the best players I think are in this in this class. So yeah, I mean, you go get another help, another receiver to help Jalen Hurts alongside Devontae Smith. I love this pick for them. At 7, the Texans, they've traded up with the New York Giants. They select Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge out of Oregon. They love him. They think they need, they're going to, they think they need offensive tackle more at their higher pick, but this is why I have them trading up because I don't think they get, they could possibly get a Jermaine Johnson at 13. They think Thibodeau's the best edge in this class. They're going to come up to get him at seven. They're going to be like, well, if he's still going, if he's still sliding, the Giants didn't take him at five. Eagles traded up. That, the Eagles could be trade up for Thibodeau. They trade up for Wilson. We're going to go get Thibodeau at seven. At eight, the Atlanta Falcons. You have to have receiver help, right? You have the tight end. And then who? Nobody at receiver. You lost your, technically your best suit from last year to the Bucks. Calvin Ridley's out a year for gambling. You take Drake London here at eight. Big body that can go up and get it, can help Marriott out with, you know, throwing some jump balls and stuff like that. So, yeah, Derek, Drake London out of USC goes eight to the Falcons. At nine, I've read this report multiple times. If, if a team does not trade up with Seattle and they are there at nine, they will take Malik Willis. So here's our first quarterback, the Seattle Seahawks. I've heard Carolina really thinks they're going to get Baker, whether it's via trade or it's he gets cut. They think they're going to get Baker. So I'm going to go to Seattle, gets, takes Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, who, again, you know, executive and scouts aren't high on this quarterback class. They do say Willis is the most potential to be a franchise guy and maybe the only guy that has that. Quarterbacks are going to be overvalued always. Malik Willis out of Liberty to Seattle at nine. Jets. You got your defensive guy in Gardner. You could definitely go receiver, but man, Charles Cross, who people think is going to be the best uh, pass blocker out of this class, you get him at 10, you take him if he's there. So Charles Cross goes 10 to the Jets. I think it makes so much sense to protect Zach Wilson. I think they're, uh, who knows if they'll have this pick because of what I've been reading. Hold on. They've been. They've offered Eli Moore the 10th and 35th, right? 35th is what they have. 10th, 35th, and a couple extras for Debo. So it would be Sam Fran picking here. 
if Sam France picking here, Stingley's gone. Or Hamilton, I think. Um, but their receiving core is nice if they don't do anything. I think you build the offensive tackle spot for sure. Especially since they want to get rid of Mekhi Becton. I haven't read into that really. At 11, the Commanders. This is another wide receiver spot, but if Washington's sitting there, and in my opinion, who I have as the number one rated player in this draft, Kyle Hamilton sitting there, they're taking him at 11. Kyle Hamilton falls no farther than 11. I wouldn't have him falling farther than 7 in my what I would do mocks. He goes 11 to Washington, which pains me as a Cowboys fan that they get Kyle Hamilton. It really does just pain me. This is unreal if they get him at 11. And I think it's more likely that, I, what I'm hearing, it's more likely he falls past you know, 13, 14 into the 15, 16, 17 range. Which is crazy to me. Crazy to me. At 12, the Vikings. You know, I you could go edge here, Jermaine Johnson. But I think they need they have a bigger hole at corner, especially they brought in Zadarius Smith. So we're going to go. Derek Stingley Jr. here to Minnesota. I heard he's not falling far, possibly. But there is the, still the major concerns of, man, he only he played fo- fo- really good football two years ago. So that's the main concern. But I don't think the Vikings could pass that up if he's here. At 13, this is where the Giants traded down. They probably would have gone edge at 7. They're still going to get an edge here. I don't think he's as good as Thibodeau or Hutchinson or Walker. But I think Jermaine Johnson's a damn good football player. So the Giants get Jermaine Johnson at 13. Um... Edge out of Florida State. Love this pick. Um, helps their D-line. You know, they need help on the O-line and D-line, in my opinion. They they fixed that with picks 5 and 13. Baltimore at 14. They love defense. And I think they're going to try to boost up that interior even more. They're going to go Devontae Wyatt, the D-lineman out of Georgia, who I think has a higher upside, a better motor than Jordan Davis. I like him more. And I think a lot. Of, I heard a lot of scouts and execs do, too. So here's the Chiefs trade up to 15. They trade up to get Jamison Williams. Why receive out Alabama? I mean, what a perfect fit to replace Tyreek Hill. Jamison Williams, who people said if he didn't have the ACL injury, he would not fall past four. There would be questions for Detroit and Houston to take him at two and three. And Chiefs get him here at 15 because of the ACL injury. I know it's I know it could be a risk. I think it's just I don't think it will be. I think it's an unreal fit. Saints, you need to help more you need to help Jameis more, a receiver. Chris Olave out of Ohio State, another receiver goes. Um, I think this could be a pick where the Chargers would like would like him, but they're not going to get him, of course. So the Saints get him here at 16, and it's Jameis gets more weapons. At 17, the Chargers. They take Jordan Davis, the other D-lineman out of Georgia. They love him. I heard they're really high on him. They would love if he's here at 17, and they get him. At 18, quarterback number two off the board, Kenny Pickett to Carolina. I've heard Carolina, the reason why they are uh, okay moving down is because they think Kenny Pickett will fall farther than Malik Willis, and they like Kenny Pickett the most in this class. I know I said they could get Baker, but you still, in my opinion, if that trade isn't made before the draft tomorrow, you can't wait and say, oh, I hope we end up getting Baker. So you were able to get an extra How many extra? They got, they get two extra picks in this draft. They get, you know, they traded six for 18, and then they were able to get 29 in this first round and a round three pick. This is great value, and you get Kenny Pickett at 18, the guy you wanted all along. At 19, Saints back on the clock. Well, you lost Armstead. Let's fix the tackle spot. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. I think it's a correct pick, and, you know, I think he's a pretty raw prospect, but he's he's a freak, man. He's an absolute freak, and I love this pick for the Saints. 20, quarterback three off the board. Matt Corral to Pittsburgh. Corral is super hot. They love the top three. 
they said that they, they what, what execs have said and scouts is that they love the top three. They like Willis, Pickett, and Corral. They think that Corral and Pick they think Pickett probably fits the system best, but they are not mad at taking either one. They do not think that Matt that Malik Willis will fall to twenty. They would have to trade up, and obviously I did not have them making the trade up. Um, so Seattle got him at nine. Um, but yeah, so they get Matt Corral at twenty. I know, and the good thing for Corral is they get, they got they brought in Trubisky, so he can sit and learn for a year. I think Trubisky's going to be okay enough to where they win eight, nine, ten games. So I think, you know, he can sit for a year, and then he's your guy. At 21, Patriots. This is a back-and-forth one. You know, you could argue it's you need to go. Could you go linebacker? Could you go edge? I think they got to go corner, especially because I also, I'm not falling for it. I don't think McDuffie falls this far, personally. Um, but here he is at 21, and the Patriots take Trent McDuffie, who could arguably be cornerback one in this class, people are saying. 22, Packers didn't have to trade up. They still get a receiver. Traylon Burks, big target for... Aaron Rodgers out of Arkansas, 6'3", 225. Love him. Great pick. This is, this is the need. You have to take a receiver. 23, Cardinals. People are saying edge, offensive lineman. I love the top four of this corner class. I'm super high on the top four. I do like uh, Roger McGeary and Kyrie Elam as well, but this top four, they're going Andrew Booth here at 23. Booth on one side, Murphy on the other. Love that. 24, this is where the Lions traded up with Dallas to get Desmond Ritter. Um, I think their thinking is, you know, people have rumored would a, um, would a would the would the Bucks take a chance because they're so set everywhere? Would they take a chance on a quarterback at twenty seven? There have been rumors the uh, who was it, the Falcons could trade back up into this first round for one, so they go ahead and make a move up to get Ritter and not wait on him at thirty two. At 25, the Bills, they go Kenyon Green, the interior alignment out of Texas A&M. They need interior alignment. They could also go receiver here, but I think you protect Josh Allen more. Uh, t- uh, Titans at 26, will A.J. Brown play? Even if A.J. Brown does play, their receiving core needs help. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State, they love him, and they get him here at 26. Bucks again, the few holes you could say is interior O-line, interior D-line, so I go Zion Johnson, uh, the interior alignment out of Boston College, to slip in that guard spot. Uh, Packers again tackles a need. Um, could say linebacker. I'm going Carlo Edge. You lost to Darius Smith. I'm going Carloftis Edge out of Purdue to Green Bay at 28. Uh, Panthers is one of the picks they got in the Philadelphia trade. They take Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Yes, I understand people are like, how's linebacker? This is the first linebacker. Linebacker is just one of those positions, along with like safety and interior alignment and running back. Just positional value isn't there. Tight end, they're gonna fall. Uh, the only team I could really see taking a linebacker, you could maybe say the Chargers at 17. The Patriots definitely at 21 will consider it. But uh, they get Devin Lloyd here, which is an unreal steal for them. I know they need a line. They could go Bernard Raymond, but, you know, man, Devin Lloyd's a special player. Chiefs at 30. So they got Jamison Williams. I'm going Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Yeah, you can say they've kind of – they've they've kind of – they could maybe say, but you fixed the safety spot. But, yeah, you brought in Justin Reed, but you lost Tyron Matthew, and you don't like Thornhill. And Daxton Hill can play coverage as well. He can play in, you know, three safe. They like to run three safety lineups too, so uh, I think that's a great pick here. Cincinnati. I think they fix the O line, go some more defense at corner. Kyrie Elam out of Florida makes the most sense to me. Uh, fix up that corner spot. Uh, Thirty-two. The Dallas Cowboys. They get Tyler Linderbaum. This is where they got Travis Frederick, the center, out of Wisconsin. Now they get Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa. I love this pick for the Cowboys. This is my dream pick, either at twenty-four or at thirty. Thirty-two. 
is Linderbaum. That's who I really want. Start of the second round at pick 33, the Jags. Obviously, they took Trayvon Walker. Now they're going offensive tackle to help protect. Even though they've, you know, Cam Robinson has been extended, they still need the they still need the other side as well. That's why I think if Cam Robinson wasn't extended, I think Equanu, Evan Neal, and Cross would still be in the debate for one. But they just re-signed him to a three-year, fifty-four million dollar deal. Now you say, okay, let's get the edge now, and we'll get a we'll get a tackle in round two. They get Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan here. Cowboys. As a part of the Lions trade, there go. I know people are going to say, "How? Are they, why would you go linebacker? They still have Van Dresch and Parsons. Van Dresch is back in a one year, and Nicobe Dean's a freak. Nicobe Dean and Micah Parsons for the next ten to twelve years. Thank you very much. Dallas Cowboys get Nicobe Dean linebacker out of Georgia. Jets back on the clock. So the Jets have taken a tackle and a corner. At thirty five, they also pick at thirty eight. They're going to go Arnold Ebiketti, edge out of Penn State. A lot of people think that he could definitely sneak into the first round. Um, I like him personally over Karloftis, um, but here he is at 35 for the Jets. Giants, they went edge and tackle. Here they go safety. What people have said, you know, would they could the Giants be the team to take the uh, take the risk on Kyle Hamilton in the top 10? They get Luis Seen, safety out of Georgia, who I think is unreal. I love this pick for them. Okay, Texans back on the clock. They've obviously taken Aquanu and Thibodeau, so they've addressed D-line, O-line. I don't know Brandon Cooks will play there next year. So they're going to take George Pickens, wipes you out of Georgia, who a lot of people think could still end up going into the get into the first. He's ultra-talented. There's just character problems and outside the field, off-the-field issues. But I think they take him here at 37. Receiver again, Jets, Christian Watson. You know, they've debated Drake London and Garrett Wilson. Those two went off at 6-8. and eight. They chose not, We have not chosen Jameson Williams. They're going to get Christian Watson. I don't know what's going to stay here. Again, if the Debo trade goes down tomorrow before the draft, this could all change. Uh, Bears at 39. I know people are saying receiver, receiver. You've picked, they picked up a decent couple receivers. Let's go corner first. Roger McGeary out of Auburn. The short arms guy. You know, they say, oh, his arms are an issue. Is it? Very physical and very good. I like him here. Uh, Seahawks, go get that tackle. You got your quarterback, go get your tackle. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. They then pick again at 41. They go Boy Mafe, edge out of Minnesota. So they address two huge needs here. Edge, tackle, and then they also already got their quarterback. Colts at 42 would be shocked. Would be shocked if it's anything less than a receiver. Sky Moore to Western Michigan here at 42 to the Colts. And this is where the David Ajabo slide ends at 43 to Atlanta. Atlanta obviously got the receiver in Drake London. They need D-line help bad. David Ajabo probably won't be playing much this year. I would say he's definitely missing the first 8 to 10 weeks. But I think he's special. He's a, Again, I wouldn't have him. If you look at it, I think Ajabo is as good as Jermaine Johnson. I really do. Ajabo definitely would be going 28 over Karloftis for me. And you could argue he'd be going over Jermaine Johnson for me as well if he didn't have that injury. Browns, DeMarvin Leal, the D lineman. Here's the thing why I like this pick. I think Leal's a first-round talent. I actually think he's a top-20 talent. Uh, I think people say, well, he's undersized for D-line. Well, he didn't just play interior D-line. He can move around and play on the outside as well. This is why I love this pick for the Browns. They're obviously probably not getting Clowney back. DeMarvin Leal, enter the fray. I love him. I love this pick for them. 
Uh, I think he's going to be unreal for that Browns defense. Ravens obviously went Devontae uh, Wyatt in round one at D Lyman. Now they address corner, which was very injury prone last year. They get Kyler Gordon, the corner out of Washington. Um, again, you, you need they need more depth. Their corners, you know, two their two best corners were in, got injured last year, and it sucked. You can't have that happen again and go with the corners they had. So, you know, I like this pick a lot. Uh, and so now opposite kind of for the Vikings. They took corner in round one. I do have them going in tier D lineman, Logan Hall. Um, people say, well, Travis Jones might be better. I like Logan Hall a little better personally. I think he's more, I think he's more ready to go. So I love this pick for the Vikings. Redskins obviously got safety. Could be saying receiver. Linebacker, Quay Walker, who again, I think is a top, a first round talent as well, possibly. Uh, I think Nicobe Dean's had the better and more uh, effective season, but I think Quay Walker's really, really good as well, and uh, Commanders get a great pick here. Bears, people are screaming receiver. I understand. I think the receiving core is fine. I think they have a good tight end and a good run game. Let's protect Justin Fields before we're about who he's throwing the ball to. Daniel Falele, the tackle out of Minnesota, 6-9-400. Big, big man. Big, big, big man. Um... And this helps protect Justin Fields. At 49, Saints get Travis Jones. Again, people think Logan Hall and Travis Jones are into this early second, into the first round guys. So if you're this, I love this draft for the Saints so far. You've gotten Alave, Penning to address the offensive concerns, and then you go get Travis Jones to address the D line concerns. Unreal draft for the Saints. Chiefs, so far they have taken uh, Jamison Williams at 15. Uh, Daxon Hill at 30, and then here at 50, they get Nick Benito, the edge out of Oklahoma. Very raw talent. But here's the thing. They need an edge because they cannot be running Chris Jones at edge. He's more effective inside. He's not as effective on the edge. they got to get an edge in there. So I love this pick, Nick Benito. Eagles. I believe they've only made one pick up to this point, right, because of the trades and everything. They've just gotten so much. So they traded up to get Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah, this is their second pick. They're taking Brees Hall. They're going, you know, running back. You know, they've had running back problems with injuries the past two, three years. So I love this pick. Brees Hall, first running back gone. Pittsburgh at 52. Got your quarterback, get your tackle. Darion Kennard, offensive tackle out of Kentucky. They got to protect Matt Corral or Trubisky. Uh, Packers. See, the Packers have now taken, they got the receiver. They got their edge. And now they get a linebacker, which I think is a huge need. Christian Harris out of Alabama. Just a big need. You know, and I think this kind of steals a pick from the Patriots. I think the Patriots would have went Harris here. Uh, they go Drake Jackson, though, the edge out of USC, which edge is a need for New England as well. Uh, love this pick. I think Drake Jackson's a phenomenal player. Uh, Cardinals, they love the running back duo. They obviously lost Chase Edmonds. Well, they get Kenneth Walker the third out of Michigan here at 55, Michigan State at 55. So you get that uh, Kenneth Walker and uh, James Conner duo, which I really like for them. Um... Cowboys at 56. Only reason this guy has fell is because of his injury. John Mechie the third. Cowboys take Mechie. I love you. This, this is what the Cowboys draft. I'd be so thrilled. Linderbaum, Dean, Mechie. Obviously, it's probably not going to end out like this, but this would be a phenomenal draft for my Cowboys. Uh, Bills, they go running back here. Uh, they took their, what they take in the first round? They took their interior alignment. Now you get a running back. You know, hopefully try to actually nail a running back pick to have a legit number one. Isaiah Spiller out of AM. I think he's the second best over Kenneth Walker. Most people have him third, if not fourth. Uh, I love Spill, and I love this pick for the Bills. Falcons, they have gone Ajabo at edge, and then obviously Drake London at receiver. They will draft here at 58, Sam Howell out of North Carolina. I love this pick for them. 
and the Falcons get their quarterback of the future, in my opinion. I think he is a great quarterback. I think he will be good in the NFL. Packers, a lot of picks here for the Packers. They addressed another need. Nicholas petit Friere, tackle out of Ohio State. Packers just hit, nailed everything. Unreal draft for them. I mean, let's look at it. Uh, Traylon Burks, George Karloftis, uh, Christian Harris, and now uh, petit Friere. Great draft for the Packers as well. Uh, Bucks back on the clock. They obviously took interior O-line. Now they addressed the interior D-line. Param Winfrey, D-lineman out of Oklahoma. Uh, 49ers here. Uh, first pick for them. They're going safety. Secondary, I like J- Jalen Pitre, 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 safety out of uh, Baylor. Uh, obviously, Baylor had top three defense in college football last year, and he was a huge part of it. Eagles is one of their trade backs. They now get a, they get up here in draft. Kingsley Inigbare, the edge out of South Carolina. Ultra-talented kid. Ultra, ultra-talented. Love this pick for the Eagles. Bengals, I think if they were to address their line, it would be the interior. So Dylan Parham, the interior lineman out of Memphis. This is who they take here at 63. And to end the second round, the Broncos. It's linebacker edge. I'm going edge Cam Thomas out of San Diego State. I think it makes the most sense. So that concludes the second round. We'll just go through... In my opinion, some of the more interesting picks. Um, guys that, you know, I think could be standouts in the NFL. Uh, Jaguars, they go get a tight end, Trey McBride. Uh, I like him a lot. He's definitely the best tight end in this class. And then the Lions right after that, the second pick around three, Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. Uh, it'd be, it'd be rough. It'd be, if he fell this far and the Lions got him, Lions got to love their, their uh, first two picks. I know they traded away a couple to go with their quarterback, but, you know, they took, you know, you got Aiden Hutchinson. You got your quarterback in Ritter, and now you get a really solid safety in Brisker. Uh, going down, let's go round three, pick 69. Fildur Mathis, the D-lineman out of Alabama to the Jets. I think this would be a steal here in round three. Love this pick for the Jets. A wide receiver I think is very interesting. Off the field concerns as well. Super athletic, Alec Pierce. The Bears finally draft the receiver. I think he's about 6'4", 6'3", can really leap. I like this pick. And then uh, Seattle, they get a corner. Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati who played opposite of Sauce Gardner. He was unreal this year, too. It's just Gardner was so damn good. He didn't get a lot of shine, but Seattle gets him here. Round three, pick 72. Um, uh, Browns go receiver David Bell out of Purdue. I like that pick a lot. The uh, Chargers go Isaiah Likely, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina. He's a stud. I don't think they can rely on Gerald Everett to be there all year. Uh, Giants actually go running back here. You know, Saquon's been so injury-prone. They go James Cook, the brother of Dalvin out of Georgia here at round three, pick 80. Then they go back-to-back and get Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of, Penn, out of Ohio State. Love that pick as well. Troy Anderson, the linebacker out of Montana State, goes to Philly. Really good player. Uh, Majai Sanders, the edge out of Cincinnati. He goes to Arizona at 87. Justin Ross, the receiver from Clemson, goes 89 to the Bills. I do have the Bucks taking a quarterback in round three. Carson Strong out of Nevada at pick 91. Sit behind Brady for a year or two. Greg Dolce, the tight end out of UCLA, goes 92. A lot of people have him as tight end one. Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati, goes 95 to the Bengals. Uh, another quarterback. Saints do go quarterback at some point. Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky, uh, round three, pick 98. Um, and then I'd say another number one. Brandon Smith, linebacker out of Penn State, super talented. 102 to the Dolphins for their first pick. And then uh, the Rams' only pick is pick round three, their first one. Cameron Juergens, interior O-line out of Nebraska. So, yeah, that is my mock draft, and I, I'm so excited for tomorrow. I, I, can't, I can't wait. Uh, again, tomorrow I will be posting a 
final <coughs> top 32 big board from this draft. And then if there's any trade, if Debo gets traded, I will have one more mock draft out tomorrow. But And if not, I'll post, I'll be, I'll post this on Twitter as well. Uh, this mock draft will be out on Twitter as well tomorrow. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Peace.